The readings this morning are Ephesians 5, verses 15 to 20, and Acts 4, 30 to 37. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to the God, to God the Father for everything, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there was no needy person among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I know I'm short. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, as we come to uh, reflect on your word this morning, we pray that you would teach us through it. We thank you that you are the living word. And so as we draw close to you this morning, would you unstop our ears and soften our hearts? And would you give us courage to respond to your promptings? Amen. So we're carrying on this sermon series, um, Lives Transformed. That's the kind of the general theme as we carry on from Pentecost Sunday, but we're thinking about who the Holy Spirit is and his work and his giftings. And today is simply entitled, Be Filled. So as I was thinking about this passage, uh, I was trying to notice what is it that uh, that jumps out at me? What is it that is kind of different? And I guess the the key word... Well, actually, no, maybe the first thing I would say is that I was looking for an understanding of what difference being filled with the Spirit made in the disciples' lives. And I think that what we see is something like a cause and effect so that the Holy Spirit comes on the disciples and there's an effect that's worked out, a bit like domino toppling. 
when you push that first domino, it's going to have a knock-on effect that will knock the next one and the next one and the next one. And the cause is tapping the first one and the effect is all the others fall over. And when we read these two readings, we notice that the disciples were filled, that was the cause, and the effect was what was seen in the way that they lived out, having been filled by the Spirit. Now what I really, really wanted to do, and was thinking about doing it in church, is the Mentos and Coke experiment. Now Julia talked me out of it, and I'm probably, Maggie's probably very glad that I didn't do this, because it almost certainly would have caused a whole load of mess. But for those of you that don't know, if you get a can of, or a bottle of pop and then you get a strip of Mentos and you put them all into the bottle of pop, what you get is this enormous fountain of Coke or uh, lemonade. And it can go sort of about 10 to 15 feet high as it all just erupts out of the bottle. Cause and effect. You put the Mentos into the Coke and the effect is this enormous Coke fountain. And so today what I want us to be looking at is this being filled with the Spirit and what is the effect. Uh, And I think really very simply there's one word that sums up the effect of being filled with the Spirit. And we see this really clearly in verse 31 of Acts 4. It says, And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continue to speak the word of God with boldness. That people, you could probably go home now, you've heard my sermon. So, but this, this is the, the bottom line, is that uh, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, there is uh, a new, renewed boldness. Uh, and I want to look at the, the outworkings of three different types of boldness. The first is obviously to speak... Oh no... <laughs> Okay, we'll do that. The first one is to love boldly. (coughs) Who knew that? Um, That's not quite what I was expecting. Oh, no. Keep going. going. Thanks, Dave. You can see my notes. Oh, here we go. Speak boldly. It works better in this order. Uh, The first thing is to speak boldly. So in verse 31 it says, uh, the Holy Spirit came and they spoke the word of God boldly. Now, do you remember on the day of Pentecost, when the Spirit was poured out on all people, it doesn't matter your age uh, or, or, or anything, uh, the Spirit was for everybody. Uh, and that Peter and the disciples had been in that upper room, and they'd been together because they were scared. They were waiting, but they were scared. They'd seen what happened to Jesus being crucified on the cross, and so they were hunkered together, praying and waiting for this gift that Jesus had promised them, but they were scared to go outside. When the Spirit comes on them, uh, they then kind of move out of this upper room and into the streets uh, and into the temple courtyard, uh, and it looks like they're drunk. And the people say to them, you know, what are you you doing? You've been at the wine this early in the morning. Uh, And Peter says, no, no, no. And then with great boldness, he stands up and he starts to preach and explain to all the people there what is going on, what they're seeing happening in the lives of these people in front of them. Now you need to remember that Peter and the disciples were a bunch of young, uneducated fishermen. And here they were, before thousands of people, 
And Peter starts preaching and explaining the Old Testament prophecy in Joel and making sense of it and saying, that's what you're seeing before your very eyes. Peter was speaking with great boldness. He was preaching to so many people that we know that 3,000 people became Christians that day. There was this transformation that moved from fear to boldness. And Peter began to preach and explain what was happening before them. And here again in this very passage in Acts 4, which is obviously just a few days, few weeks later, we see exactly the same thing. The Spirit comes and they continue to speak the Word of God with boldness. Do you remember in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, just before, uh, this is after Jesus has been resurrected, it's the last time he's with his disciples before his ascension, and he says to his disciples, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. Now a witness is someone that simply says what they have seen and what they have heard. There's perhaps an expectation or an assumption by maybe some of us here that as followers, when we're called to be witnesses, we're thinking that maybe that means uh, I've got to be able to convince somebody else of who Jesus is and what he has done. Maybe some of you think that actually I've got to have all the answers. So if someone asks me a question, I've got a whole list of answers that I can come right back at them and say, well, actually, you need to go and look at your Bibles. And if you turn to this chapter here, it will give you the answer. Or maybe some of you are feeling like, actually, uh, when there's a, a part of my role is to convince somebody of a, the, the argument that Jesus was real and his death and resurrection actually happened. Well, actually, what Jesus says is, the Spirit will come on you and you will be my witnesses. So I've news for you today. You don't need to be the world's greatest theologian, the world's greatest evangelist, or the world's greatest apologist. When the Spirit comes on you, you're simply called to be a witness, to bear testimony to what Jesus has said and done in your life. And so the Spirit comes on us in order that we are bold, in order that we can speak with boldness, about who Jesus is and what he has done and the difference that he has made in our lives. And so Jesus called to his disciples, you will receive power when the Spirit comes on you to be my witnesses. There is an assumption by Jesus that everybody who is a follower of his will be a witness. Someone that will bear testimony to who Jesus is and what he has said. And you can do that, each of you. Each of you can be a witness to what Jesus has said and done in your life. In Acts chapter 3, the one that precedes, obviously, chapter 4, clearly, uh, let me just give you a quick summary of what takes place. Peter and John have been filled by the Spirit. They're on their way up to the temple, and as they get to the temple uh, door, there is a, a man who has been crippled, and he's sitting by the door, begging, waiting for money. Obviously, it, it, being a cripple, he's not able to go out and earn a living. So he's begging in order to have something to buy uh, some food with. But Peter and John haven't got any money. And so instead they turn to him and they simply pray that God would heal him. And the man gets up and walks. As a result of that, the religious leaders see what they've done and they arrest him, arrest both of them. 
And they put them in prison because they performed a miracle. One assumes that this was probably on the Sabbath and therefore they were perceived to be doing work. So they were arrested, put in prison. And you can read all of this in Acts 3. And then the following day they come uh, to a trial before the religious leaders and they start asking them questions about what they were doing and why they were doing it. And in Acts chapter 4 verse 8, in the middle of this kind of trial that was going on, or towards the end of it, it, it says, Then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, that's the religious leaders of the day, um, and, and they spoke with such great courage and boldness that the religious leaders looked at them and said, wow, these are unschooled, ordinary men, and they were astonished with the, with the way that they spoke with such power and authority. And they said, these men have been with Jesus. What we see in the New Testament, and particularly in Acts and onwards, is that after the Spirit came, the disciples spoke with boldness. It's the effect of having been filled by the Holy Spirit. And so as people today that are seeking to love and follow Jesus, our call is also to be filled daily with the Spirit in order that we can be witnesses to who Jesus is and what he has done. We need the Spirit in order that we can speak with boldness and courage. So that was the first one. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. So more about that at another time. We haven't got time this morning. Um, so the next thing we want to do is go back to the second thing that I see, I think we see in the lives of um, the disciples is that they loved boldly. Let me just go back to verses 32 and 33. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of these things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power the apostles were giving their testimony. They held everything in common. And do you remember even after the Holy Spirit came in Acts 2, we read that the disciples, when they saw... Uh, here we go. Uh, in verse, 30, verse 44, Acts 2, verse 44, it says, All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods. They gave to everyone as they had need. That feels to me like a picture of loving boldly loving courageously, loving radically, loving extravagantly, loving self-sacrificially, that they were willing to sell what they had in order to raise money to meet the need of someone in their community who was struggling or had a need. When the Spirit comes and he fills us, he enables us to speak boldly, but he enables us to love boldly, to care for one another in such a way that the world would look at us and say, wow, they're different. What makes them tick? Why do they do that? Remember Jesus' words to his disciples in John 13. By this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. When the Spirit comes, he enables us to love boldly, love radically, love recklessly. We don't hold on to what we've got. We recognise that it's a gift that we use to bless others. So when we see a need, we think, 
I've got to jump in there. I've got to help because that person is in need. Uh, and I think that at Christchurch, that's something that you do really well. I think that what the whole work of CAP uh, and, and what Rosie and her team do in seeking to meet the needs of people who are out there who are really struggling uh, is a wonderful way in which we, the community here at Christchurch, can seek to bless and love others who are struggling because when we see a need, we want to respond. Some of you may well have come across uh, this organisation, Acts 4.35. Strangely enough, it's based on Acts, 4, chapter, uh, Acts chapter 4, verse 35. This seeing a need and responding in bold, courageous love. Uh, it's Acts 4.35 is basically this website here, uh, and people that have got a need go to this website and they can post it, what their need is, up to a, a value of £200. And then... Uh, if you're so inclined uh, and want to love boldly and courageously, you too could go to this website. You could see someone who says, actually what I need is £200 to buy a new fridge. And you donate the money in order that they can then have their fridge. Uh, I know that this is something that Cap and uh, uh, Rosie and Mark have, have used a little bit already and are seeking to try and develop and use more of. So you're bound to hear more about Acts 4.35 in the future but go and take, check that out later. So cause and effect, when the Spirit comes, he enables us to speak boldly, to love boldly, and lastly, to pray boldly. In Acts 4.31 it says, And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and that they were filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Wow. When was the last time you were at a prayer meeting and the room began to shake? I'm not sure that I've ever been at a prayer meeting where the rooms began to shake. I don't know whether that's a reflection on me or my lack of faith or my lack of expectation. I don't know. However, I do remember being in a, in a room in Ghana shortly after I became a Christian. It was a prayer meeting one evening uh, in this church in a village in Ghana, and there were a couple of hundred people crammed into this relatively small building. Uh, and the pastor got up at the front of church. He welcomed everyone. He, said a few, uh, he then read a few words of scripture. And then he basically said to the congregation, right, it's time to pray. And at which point, everyone stood on their feet and everyone started praying all at the same time. And it wasn't just kind of British prayers like this, like I'm talking now. Everyone was up there and they were all involved with all of their body and they were singing and they were shouting at the tops of their voices and they were really going for it. And this went on for a good 45 minutes. Now, as a, a, a young... Uh, Man, I was standing there and just like, oh my goodness, I've never seen or experienced anything like this. But what struck me was the passion and the boldness with which these people were praying. And they were praying for people to come to know Jesus. Uh, and they prayed boldly. And they play, prayed and declared, you know, Jesus, make yourself known. Come draw these people to yourself. Draw more people into the kingdom. They prayed and petitioned God 
with bold, extraordinary boldness. And what I think that we see in, in, in the lives of the disciples is that when the Spirit came, they prayed bold prayers. And my question to us this morning is, are we people that are praying bold prayers? Prayer unleashes the power of God in our lives, in our church and in our world. And if we want to see something new happen, something big happen, dare I say it, we need to pray bold prayers. We need to petition God with what we want to see happen, the changes we want to see taking place. When the disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit, they spoke boldly, they loved boldly, and they prayed boldly. Let me just remind you, in in this Acts 4, verse 30, what had preceded that, remember that the disciples had come to the temple, seen the cripple, healed him. They'd been arrested, thrown into prison, they'd been put on trial before the religious leaders, and when they left the trial as free men, they went back to the disciples and they gathered together and they prayed. What we didn't have in our reading this morning is the prayer that they prayed. What we get from our reading this morning in Acts 4 is the end of that bit, where the room was shaking because they had been praying. Now, do you know what kind of prayers they had been praying after they'd just been arrested and thrown in jail, put on trial and then released? They come back together again and they're praying for more boldness to go out and speak the word of God to people that need to hear who Jesus is and what he has done. They weren't praying for a sense of God comfort us and encourage us because we've just been battered and bruised and we're feeling a little bit uh, tired and a little bit fearful and a little bit anxious, so come comfort us, make us feel a bit better. No, they said, Holy Spirit, come fill us afresh because we need more boldness to go out there to declare who Jesus is and what he has done. That feels to me like bold, courageous prayers. So, an opportunity that's going to be coming up shortly is an opportunity to pray on the streets. Uh, did you know that the Catholic Church and the Baptist Church have gathered twice to do praying on the streets alongside Co-op and Sainsbury's? And they've said to us, you're a bigger church, please will you come and join us? And so I said yes. <laughs> so, there's going to be some opportunities to go out and pray on the streets. Uh, it's not for everybody, don't feel like you have to, but there will be some people out there that are excited by this as an opportunity and will want to know more. And so I'd want to say, let's be a people that pray bold, courageous prayers. We believe in a big God who does amazing things. And when his spirit comes and fills us, there's no limit to what he can do in us and through us. And so, that is my prayer, that we will be people that are filled with the spirit in such a way that people will look at us and say, wow, there's something different about those people. They speak with boldness. They love boldly and they pray boldly. As I finish now, it's going to be an opportunity just simply for us to stay, remain seated where you are 
and pray that God would come by his spirit and that he would fill you in a fresh way in order that you can be transformed for mission out there in the workplace, in our community. Let's pray together now. Father God, the cry of our heart this morning is that you would come and fill us with your spirit in a new way, in a fresh way this morning. Pour out your love and your grace in order that we would be a people who have been transformed by your spirit. It might help for you to hold your hands open and just quietly pray in your heart, Lord, fill me afresh this morning. Thank you, Father God, that your spirit is for all of us, for all people. Thank you that you don't hold back. Thank you that you give generously and extravagantly. Thank you that we experience your infilling. Would you renew us Revive us. Would you transform us? Amen.